Hola, mis compañeros. Me llamo Chris. Yeah, nice guys finish last. I'm just yeah. going to be TikTok famous. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, soy Emron. Uh, you need Rosetta Stone, my guy. <laughs> on a conventional loan, you can refinance the day after you close. It's mosquitoes. Not only bugs, dude, like gators. <laughs> they said they did it. Oh, it wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it, in Mexico, it's who you know. Yeah, who yeah. you know. You know what I mean? So they type you know. like this. Hey, I type like oh. that. <laughs> she had quite the weekend. <laughs> what? <laughs> and I'm like, and she's like, yeah, I probably don't qualify anymore, do I? And I'm like, uh, like I figure in 2024 when Trump is president again. Yeah, you think that he's gonna? <laughs> I was just looking for usually. <laughs> Glad that you brought that up with the hurry, hurricane. Like I think they've got a farm and and animals right in the back. This stuff is so fresh. Wasn't yeah, he a peanut farmer? The entire existence of the Vikings team is to deceive and disappoint you. Cut! <laughs> Cut it out. Cut. You're done. All right. Welcome, everyone, to episode six of Weekly Deposit. We have a very special guest today. His name is Chris Larson with Edge Home Finance. Yes. Yeah. Round of applause. Round of a applause for Chris. Yes, he is a legend in the game. Chris... Um, start out by telling us a little bit about yourself. We want to know who you are, what you do, and then we have some questions we can ask you from there. But just start out who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there. Okay. Um, I'm a loan officer at Edge Home Finance. Mm-hmm. That's how we know each other. Yep. yep. Real estate. Uh, grew up in Minnetonka. Went to St. Cloud State University. Uh, finance and economics degree. Uh Mostly lived in the city, lived in Minneapolis, lived out in Excelsior, out mm-hmm. by the lake. Uh, lived in Mexico for eight years, so spent some time down south. Yep, and we're going to actually get into that a little bit later in the podcast uh, of your excursions in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. staycation. <laughs> staycation. <laughs> staycation. Um, since 2013, I've been back here. I've been working as a loan officer, live, live in Bloomington. Um, you know, just your standard suburban life. <laughs> It's pretty smooth sailing. Yeah, right. Well, tell us how you kind of got started in the industry slash finance business. Was that, it sounded like from St. Cloud University, that was the passion from the get. Right. Like, you know, when, when we went to, like, in Minnetonka High School back then, it wasn't what are you doing after high school, it was what college are you going to. Mm-hmm. It's just how it was. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went there for a few years. Had like a 2.1 GPA and like a year's worth of credits. I was like Chris Farley in that movie where he was like seven years in, in college or whatever. Ben and, uh, Wilder? Uh, yeah, yeah, that one too. And um, so it took some time off, went back, and, uh, you know, I went between like a math degree because I'm good at numbers. Math degree is basically a math professor. Mm-hmm. You know, an accounting degree, it was all accounting classes. So it was like, okay, by the time I graduate, I'm going to hate accounting, then I'm going to be an accountant, I'm going to hate my life. Mm-hmm. So finance gave me a big spectrum of business classes that I could take and economics classes. So the economics minor basically was free where I chose economics classes within that finance degree mm-hmm. um, options. So um, what... Well, well- did you always want to be in the home real estate lending or was that a byproduct of kind of you going through life and then reaching that point? Or was there some other goal to do with a finance degree? You know, when you're young, you're just sort of making up what Correct. happens. Correct. Um, my, my dad still was... Still to today, we're still making right. up. <laughs> just wake up and go, yeah. what's my life today? Exactly, uh, exactly. But uh, my dad was a stockbroker. So I was just sort of following, you know, he, he got a, had a finance and economics degree. Mm-hmm. My little brother's got a finance and econ degree. Oh, okay. So, so it's a family thing. So we just sort of did it. And, um, did they it, all go to St. Cloud University? No, my dad and my brother went to uh, Madison. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Okay. So, okay. Party um, city. <laughs> so St. Cloud and the U of M back then were the only two accredited business colleges mm-hmm. in the state of Minnesota. And so that's why I applied to both of those. Uh, the U of M was about three times as expensive. And so I just went, oh, I'm going to St. Cloud. You know, and that, that was really the, the decision. U of M is still expensive. Yeah. All those schools are expensive. Yeah. So, um, so when did you join Home Edge Finance? Edge Home Finance? Yep. Um, Edge Home Finance, sorry. Edge Home Finance. Back in 2016. So I've been there 
Yeah, almost seven years. Okay. Was that the first lending company you joined? No, no. Um, I had, uh, so I, I, I graduated in 96. Mm-hmm. Like when you guys were born. <laughs> Yeah. I'm a little older than that. <laughs> Let's not bring that up, Chris. <laughs> um, I went to uh, Sentry Insurance first. Okay. I got a job in insurance, um, property casualty and life health. Um, they're out of Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Did a bunch of interviews. Um, just basically like like the manager and like the company nice. the best. Okay. You know, I want to work somewhere I like. I'm going to spend my day. Well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to chase money and like, work with jerks all day yeah i'm gonna work where i like it you know and then figure out how to how to get the money later yeah uh, that's always been the agenda yeah most people flip that around <laughs> right right and then you just have a stressful life <laughs> you do you do um so about a year into that they uh they decided to raise their their premiums on all their all their policies and uh basically they were trying to get rid of the the personal lines in the property and casualty side so that wiped out like all the old guys renewal commissions and all that stuff and then from there i went to amex american express financial advisors um which is now ameriprise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, got my series 7 and 63 to sell stocks and bonds mm-hmm. um, and still had my life health um, from from sentry for the life and health insurance component of, of that job and didn't like it didn't like the atmosphere it was a suit and tie, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., real serious. Um, Very corporate. Just, yeah. yeah. Yep. Hey, Steve, how are you doing? Good morning, Christopher. You know, oh, like, yeah. That kind of stuff. And uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't my personality. So nothing against the company, um, mm-hmm. great products, um, you know, and uh, nothing bad to say about the company. It just wasn't, wasn't my style. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't you. It wasn't good fit. And, yeah, um, it wasn't you. So I went back to the university for a little bit, worked on my master's. Um, just because I was like, okay, you know, I can get some, some grants, some loans and just sort of chill out and figure out where I'm going. Gotcha. Got out of there and, uh, oh. No, 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 go ahead. I was going to say, once you got out of there, is that when you went to Mexico? No, that was, this was, this was still only 99. Oh, okay. Then I, I I moved into the city. I moved into South Minneapolis Mm -hmm. because, um. In Minnetonka and at St. Cloud State, basically, nobody looked like you guys. Everybody looked like you. <laughs> yeah. And so I've been... Yeah, we know that. <laughs> I've been living like this, right? Yeah. And I needed to do that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so I'm like, I'm just going to go live in the city and, you know, see what's up. Mm-hmm. And my neighbor was working at a mortgage company. And uh, she gave me the business card of the owner and she said, this is great, you know. I didn't even call. I went down to the public library downtown, printed out a resume, got on the city bus, and because uh, I didn't know where I was going, but I knew the bus would take me to the right spot, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't get lost. <laughs> I was going to say, Chris, uh, the wrong stop could be dangerous. <laughs> no, no, this was out. I was going out for, to a diner. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So. I thought you were in South Minneapolis. No, so. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's buses that go there. No, <laughs> go on, uh, go on. Right. And just, uh, you know, just walked in and, hey, I got a resume. And the guy talked to me and he said, come back tomorrow and start working. And that was that. Um, so that was, uh, that was in 99. I worked for a few different brokers um, until 2005. And people complain about trying to get a job today where it's like you just go on like Indeed or something and your resume is already saved and you just send it where Chris had to physically go to the library, physically print it out. Then physically get on a bus to travel somewhere to go hand that piece of paper to the owner. So selling loans around that time, how was it? It was it was a different game. Yeah, it was the Wild West because there was no the regulation wasn't there. Yeah, you can just basically say, hey, I make this much money or, you know, I heard they weren't even checking credit score if around that time. Is that true? They checked your credit. Okay. so basically if your credit score was. 680 or above yeah you didn't need to show you get 100 percent financing Jeez. you don't need money in the bank you don't need to show any income sometimes they'd make you um put on the job application that you worked at subway and you made 10 grand a month <laughs> you know um, that's crazy I'm, uh... so yeah it was and that's why the economy crashed um you know there was there was there was no regulation um 
the credit rating agencies were were rating the the loan mm-hmm. the loan project the loans yep. that they were selling on the market. Yep. I'm sorry, just my vocabulary. No, no, you're fine. Lost it there. Um, as A plus or triple A or whatever, when it was just garbage. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my job back then was talking people out of it. <laughs> you qualify for a three hundred or you know a three quarter million dollar house, but you can't afford it. Can't yeah. afford it, yeah. But if you leave my office and go talk to somebody else, they're going to tell you you qualify, and this is why you can't afford it. So don't do it because. But just I'm the manager at McDonald's. What do you mean I can't afford it? Uh, exactly. <laughs> well, that's why a lot of lenders went to jail. Yeah. Around that, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, a lot of lenders were yeah. living big time in those yeah. days. Oh yeah, yeah. There was. I um, didn't hear about any lenders going to jail. I so I have a family friend that that did go to jail. You must uh, have been one of the few in between because you no player. There was a lot that went. A majority a, of the people who were responsible, and when I say responsible, the big wigs mm-hmm. are on the New York Stock Exchange, like the the movie The Big Short or this. Mm-hmm. Chris was saying. A lot of those people didn't get any type of consequence for that whole meltdown. Oh, right. But so they're the big fish. The they're little, right. they're, they're the big fish, yeah. yeah. Correct. So, so it's like, okay, I guess. The little people pay the price. Yeah, yeah. And he was one that paid the price. Justice served. Yeah. How many do you know that went around that time? Because either they yeah. went to jail or they just got out of the game or they can, you know, stay afloat like you because, you know, you, well, were, you, did, the, you did it the right way. I, so I went down to Mexico in 2005 before the economy crashed. I was going to say, is that the reason why you went to Mexico? <laughs> wasn't me. <laughs> I was on the beach. <laughs> wasn't me. I'm uh, out of here. <laughs> was that Eddie, whole, Murphy, like, Eddie Murphy Raw or whatever? <laughs> wasn't me. It um, changed his whole like, thing. Yeah. What, um, was, what was your Spanish name? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, a whole different passport. Yeah. Um, no, I... Um, my buddy just asked me to uh, go down with him on a road trip. He was going home. And um, so we went down driving. And back then it was still okay to drive. So we drove down to Guadalajara. And then I was in his little town. Um, Guadalajara, okay. How, what is that, three, four hours? No, way more probably. Guadalajara? Yeah, Guadalajara is way down in the west. It was like 50 coast. hours. Yeah, I'm like, that's... Yeah. Well, I, I guess when I said three, well, four hours, I meant from, like, San Diego, but, yeah. Oh, no, it's the middle of... It's, yeah, it was a couple of days driving. Because mm. we got to the border. You got to the border to like Tijuana? Nuevo Laredo. Laredo, okay. Texas. 35 the whole way. Yep. Got on 35 here and just went. A straight shot. Stop McDonald's, stop McDonald's, stop hotel. Yep. Back on 35, get to the border. Cross the border, go through this customs, whatever. Matawala, San Luis Potosí, Monterrey. Monterrey. That's <laughs> yes. I want to go there. You know, um, where it was. Yeah. Zacatecas, Aguas Calientes. Through those little these little towns, through like the, the, the basically the, the farming states in the middle of Mexico. And um, ended up in town outside of Guadalajara. I have a, a question about that. Um, during, you know, being in, in Mexico and being a white guy in Mexico, did you ever, like, think about it like, ooh, this can go south real fast? Because um, I'm an American. And you and probably I, didn't speak Spanish at yeah, that time. Yeah, at that right? time. Yeah. He, yeah. I was already speaking Spanish. Oh, you oh, were? I was already. Where I, did you learn Spanish from? I took it all through junior high, high school. Oh, okay. So did I. That don't mean yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, me too. Right. You, but, I started when I was living in South Minneapolis. A couple of my neighbors, who were a couple of Mexican guys, told me, I, "You know, you should volunteer because I knew some Spanish." And there was a there was a social service center where there was ESL classes oh, right down the road. Okay. And uh, they're like, "Look, the for those of you don't that don't know, ESL stands for English as a Second Language." I know because oh. I was in those classes, even though I could speak English. But anyway, continue. Um, so yeah, and. Um, so I went down there and started volunteering. And then from there, then now you're having conversations with the students and stuff like that. And then you start to pick up, you start utilizing the language. And then, and then you take all those odds and ends pieces that you had, and they all come together. Yep. You know, the puzzle, the puzzle starts to come together. And um, 
And then all of a sudden, yeah, now you're speaking in sentence in, instead of just saying una cerveza, por favor. <laughs> you know. The basic Spanish, yeah. Cerveza en baño. Yeah. You know. And you're speaking yeah. it every single day. That's right. The, that's and then from there I started, uh, you know, I was, I was going to uh, a Spanish conversation group mm-hmm. um, over in Harmar, at the Barnes & Noble over in Harmar, mm-hmm. um, to, to get my Spanish, because th- these were first-level Spanish speaker or English, English speakers, they were, they were just no knowledge of any English. Mm-hmm. So I had to understand their Spanish. Yep. But their Spanish wasn't always what was in the books. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of street slang and stuff. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, yeah. it's a lot of street slang. It's nothing like the books. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know, from there, then, then, then I started getting stronger. And then when I stopped volunteering, then I started doing loans for, you know, I did one loan for one of my friends in Spanish, and then my phone just started ringing. Mm-hmm. So then from there, I had already done, basically, I was doing business in Spanish up here. How long were you in Mexico? For almost eight years. Wow. What did you do down there? So I went down, I went down with my friend, mm-hmm. and then I was just going to, we were just taking turns driving, and then, you know, it was a long road trip. And then I was just going to fly to Guadalajara, and whenever I was done hanging out in his little town. Do you have any crazy uh, stories that you could tell on camera of Mexico? No, I don't want to. I'd rather. I'd rather. No, that's just, fine. But no, I, yeah, I we, guess I'm. But, uh, I'm curious as what you kind of were you were you in the finance business in Mexico? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, so what I did was um, I was just hanging out in his little town because the the dollar versus the peso down there was just so crazy. Everything was so cheap. I was there for like. Um, about a half a year mm. and just goofing around and going to Guadalajara and like riding horses in the hills and doing, you know, whatever. And um, I was still like online in the internet cafes doing some loans back here. Oh. Doing some work. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, like the internet cafes were about a quarter an hour to use the computers. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, an American quarter. Yeah, of course. About, yeah, about twenty five American cents. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, then I went. To, I went to Puerto Vallarta just to see the ocean, see the beach. You know, that's my spot. Yeah, and uh, just sitting in a bar there drinking beer with a Mexican guy, and the owner came over. He was an American guy. He said, "Hey, you speak Spanish?" Said, yeah. He's like, "Hey, I got a problem with my business license. You know, um, I can't get a hold of my guy. Can you help me?" Yeah, we'll go tomorrow. We'll go to City Hall and whatever. And I got there, and all that technical stuff that I had learned doing loans here mm-hmm. for Spanish speakers was everything I needed to, to talk business Spanish down there in City Hall. So it was real easy to figure out what was, okay, you know, it was basically filled out incorrectly. Line A was in line B and vice versa, and yep. that was it. Um, so we fixed it in about 10, 15 minutes. We left. He says, you know, what do I owe you? I said, dude, I'm on vacation. You owe me a, two beers and a burger. And I went back there later that night, and he had told the Canadian guy. That guy asked me for help with his business license. And from there, it just sort of started to... Snowball effect. Yeah, there yep. was, you know, um, and, uh, you know, from there, it was just, there was there was a lot of business opportunity because there's a lot of North Americans that, that are down there that are business owners. They all own bar restaurants. Nobody else owns anything else. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of retired people. So I started doing, I was doing, um, like small business accounting for, for the businesses. I was doing, um, their business licenses, their immigration documents for them with the Mexican immigration. Mm-hmm. So, um, the vice versa of what the Mexicans have to do when they come here. Yep. Um, you know, you want to own a business, you got to get a you got to get a document of immigration document as an employer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You want to own a house. um, You need an immigration document first, or there's tax implications with the purchase transaction. Um, So, you know, then you just basically depending on whatever your situation is. Um, And I was doing property transfers. I wasn't doing any mortgages down there. Gotcha. Uh, Mortgages down there back then, 35% down. Ooh. I was just um, going to say the next question we had here 
where what are the similarities and differences between buying a home here versus buying a home in Mexico? And one thing I, when I went to go look at properties in Puerto Vallarta, they told me the interest rate at that time, and that was last year, February, the interest rate was roughly somewhere around 14%. That's disgusting. <laughs> well, rates were lower back then. And so yeah, rates exactly. have gone up, so and rates so have that's gone about up. correct. And, and I put here, I was like, we should be grateful because yeah. we are going crazy at about 6 or 7%, which, again, uh, Mexico is almost double that. But right. well, what about the price of the home? The price of the homes were uh, about the same. They're similar? Especially, yeah. I mean, so of course, depending on where it is, if it's closer to the ocean. They're closer going to ask, the ocean, yeah, like on, gonna, on the beach. Yeah, they're going to ask a little bit more, but... I, Honestly, they're, they're pretty decently priced. You know, you can get a decent condo where you can Airbnb for a hundred ninety, two hundred thousand. Okay. And that's Airbnb juice. The prices is what happened. Actually back, back when I was there, there was no stable real estate market mm-hmm. because Americans were coming in and going, Oh, how much? Oh, that's only a third of the price in New York. Yep. Even mm-hmm. though it was really three times what it was actually worth down there. Because it sounded like a deal to them, they were overpaying. Where somebody else who sold it to just some other Mexican guy would would sell the same price a house like right next door, the same exact house for a third of the price or a half of the price. So there wasn't any real stability. Um, and then in the last few years, because of the Airbnb opportunities, investors have been buying up the shorelines. Yep, and they they just. Because it's priced as an income-producing asset and not a residence, the prices are going up. Yeah, they're yeah the up. prices. Yeah, the prices but, have gone up. Yeah, but you're still getting a better deal than you would for the same kind of property here. Yeah, I mean, two hundred thousand, you get a nice view of the beach. I mean, it's not right on the beach, but a couple blocks down, two hundred thousand. I mean, well, it's going to yeah, be booked for the whole year too. Yeah, it's going to be booked for the whole year, and then when you want to use it, you can go and. So this kind of leads us into our next transition to talk to Chris about kind of his Airbnb in Florida, how he came about that, and what his thoughts are on short-term rentals. He owns a property in Florida. Uh, where in Florida? Cape Coral. Cape which Coral. Is right next to Fort Naples. Myers, Naples. It's on the Gulf Coast, south of Sarasota, north of Naples. Two-pronged question here. One how did you come about buying that home? Was it always something you've planned, a vacation home? And then two, what are your thoughts on short-term rentals, the Airbnb models? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Is there certain things you like? Is there certain things you don't like? An example, the Airbnb cut. <laughs> what yeah, are, they what, take a good chunk, don't they? Yeah, what is that like? Um, so I bought it. So for the last like 20 years, my parents have both, um, my father moved down to a town called Ruskin that's um, about an hour and a half north of where where I live in Cape Coral or my, my Airbnb in Cape Coral. And then my mother and her husband had bought a house in, or a little tiny condo actually in Fort Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, so they wintered there. So they were snowbirds, and then my, my dad and his wife were, were full-time residents. So we were back and forth a lot, like with my son to visit. Um, and we were always staying in, in either Sarasota, sometimes in Tampa, like Clearwater Beach, sometimes in Sarasota, sometimes Fort Myers. So we knew more or less the whole Gulf Coast. Yep. And Fort Myers is where the twins have their spring training, right? Exactly. Yep. Okay, go on. Yeah. And last year, my son got tickets or wait couple years ago like a week ahead of time when everything was sold out i don't know what he did but we went it was maybe knows a guy he knows a guy (laughs) Um, it's the best way but uh so i had started to look for houses quite some time ago just sort of you know hey you know um i want to get a and i was thinking of airbnb in it doing that thing and you know we'll go down there when we want and rent it out when we don't and um then covid hit and I, you know, I just put the plans on hold, but I kept watching the market. And um, basically, obviously, as we know, the market didn't change and just kept moving forward. And so I just went, you know what, let's get a house. And uh, pulled the trigger. Yep. Went down there, bought the house. Um, 
I mean, it's great. You know, it's the only tropical climate in the States. It's beautiful. Can you give us a breakdown on how much you, you bought the house for? You know, and was there any remodel that went along with it, or was it shiny and ready to go? So, I got, I mean, I got really lucky. Okay. Um, I bought the house in February of 21. So, it was right before, when rates were still really low, and where right before people started offering 30 40 grand extra above list nope. so um i bought the house for 345 okay right now it's worth about 530 jeez <laughs> did you did you work with um, a realtor down there yeah so um there was a girl that actually was working for edge home finance and was also a realtor down there and so I connected with her, and she was doing video walkthroughs where we'd just go on, um, you know, Facebook chat or whatever. Yep. And um, she'd walk through and basically just verify that the pictures, the house is like the pictures in the, you know, in the, mm-hmm. in the ads. And um, so she was doing that, saw this house, beautiful, you know, vaulted ceilings, all tile floors. Um, I, I kept telling my my wife, I kept because she was like, "What about this? No, that's navy blue. No, the house has to look like a vacation. No, the house has to look like a vacation. <laughs> so this house is yellow, right? Yellow house. There's eleven palm trees landscaped in the front yard, yeah. and a Jeez. pool in the back. You know, can't miss it. And I was like, in all tile, and it's like nice. upgraded from that standard generic tile. Yeah. So it's the bigger bigger squares." You know, um, I know it's it's not marble, it's not super super fancy anything like that, but mm-hmm. it's it's all nice tile. You know, no carpet for kids to spill juice on, nothing like that. Um, you know, stamp concrete driveway, whatever. I just called her and I said, get over there and okay, don't ask for any closing costs. Give them full price. Tell them you know I want to buy it right now, and uh, that was that. And then I wrote my own approval letter. <laughs> called the listing agent and said, yeah, you know, I'm calling you, um, you know, and, and I just want to say that the guy is super, super qualified, also super nice, super cool, you know. <laughs> and uh, so the fact that I was a loan officer because they had had a financing fall through previous. Oh, okay. So um, the fact that, I mean, that gave me the advantage against other offers, Um and they accepted the offer. Uh, there wasn't any real work to do. And they actually, they bought a condo in Ecuador. There's just some Americans from Michigan initially, you know. But um, they bought a condo in Ecuador to retire to. So I bought the place furnished. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So you were l- literally got, ready to Airbnb it the next uh, yeah. day after it closing. It was, yep, turnkey. I mean, turnkey. obviously, um, new bed sheets, the... You know those those mattress covers and bed sheet. You know, and we took the bed, checked out the mattresses, make sure there wasn't anything weird on there. Yeah, um, but I, they were, you know, they were in their in their late sixties. So the house, you can imagine what kind of you know quality furniture. Um, yep. And Chris used the uh, term turnkey there. The term turnkey in the real estate world basically means it's ready to be rented out right away. Uh, there's no updates no needed upgrades. or anything. To fix, it's ready to go. It's called turnkey. So if you're an investor and someone tells you, yeah, I got this property, it's turnkey. It means it's ready to go. Continue, Chris. There you go. Yep. Exactly. So it was it was great. Um, you know, the um, you got the, the caged-in pool area. Yep. Like all the houses in Florida, it's it's a oversized pool area. So there's usually there's just walking room behind yep. the pool and everything is in front, but there's room for more furniture in the back. I mean, that's the best thing about Florida. I like the caged in thing just due to bugs, especially here in Minnesota. It's mosquitoes. Not only bugs, dude, like gators and all that well, stuff. Like, well, yeah, that stuff too. But <laughs> I mean, like they walk right through. Right? Yeah. Gators <laughs> would rock right through. But I mean, psychologically, I suppose it keeps them. I mean, if they have you heard of a gator walking through one of no, those? No, no, they just don't. They just no, avoid no. it. No, I think they, oh, there's something in my way. My thing yeah. is like, they should put those in Minnesota because the mosquitoes here are crazy. They so are. They I are. I a, think it's the nuisance. snow because the snow would. Oh, yeah, the snow would. Because I just went. Why aren't they? I was thinking of doing that. I'm just going to start putting yeah. pool cages. You know, <laughs> but 
And, the uh, snow would be on the, the top, right? Would, but what about the... Yeah, you'd have to design it. You could do it. Yeah. You could do it. And um, yeah. anybody who had lived anywhere else where they had those before, yep, they'd bite. I mean, you, you, you'd do well. Yeah, they're just pretty much screens. Yeah. You just need basically, you know, aluminum frame. Yep. Put the screens together. Yeah, it's basically like a, a gazebo. Yeah. I, I lost some pool screens in the hurricane. And there were no no screens to be found in in the in Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever in in anywhere in the neighborhood, so I ordered it online for the pool screen guy. Mm. Now I'm glad that you brought that up with the hurri- hurricane. Did your house get severely damaged in the hurricane, or just some no, minor minor I, stuff? Again, man, I got really lucky. Jeez, we um we're about a mile inland, and the I think we're like. 12, 12 or 13 feet above sea level. Yeah. So I don't even need flood insurance where I'm at. Dang, um, Chris. And, um, you know, I mean, I studied for a minute, though. I yeah. spent my time. Yeah, and I waited. Your time. I waited. You know, it was a few years. Now well, you. I sort of waited to, to pounce. Um, but There's I, some people that wait forever and never pounce. Exactly. So. We need to take Chris to the casino because this guy is always getting lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Mystic, here we come. Yeah, right. Um, Chris. Tell so, us a little bit about the RE. So, we know you lived in Mexico. You speak Spanish. Fluent. Fluent Spanish. You're bilingual. Did you want to go back to, the, like, the management company, to so the Airbnb before we went over? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. So, um, I use a service. Um, it's called Evolve. Okay. And there's a plug for Evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, they... They advertise on Airbnb, VRBO, Booking.com, a bunch of other places. They do the advertising for you. Mm-hmm. They um, they coordinate you with with a property manager there in town, mm-hmm. um, and then she coordinates cleaning, the cleaning people that come after the people leave, um, as well as they do a, a walkthrough right before your next check in, so they make sure you know the. The bath towels are in, by the showers, and the beach towels are by the pool, and the toilet paper is there, and the, the hotel supplies are there, basically. Yep. Um, you know, there's coffee by the Keurig. There's, uh, um, I buy just 24 pl- flats of those half-bottle waters, and, you know, mm-hmm. that's stocked in the fridge and things like that. How um, much uh, do, do you pay the property management company a month? So, so Evolve, so basically Evolve does all that. Plus, they give you $3,000 of damage coverage for each individual group, no questions asked, before you have to get into insurance claims and anything like that. And they give you a million dollars of liability. And they charge 10%. That's it. Okay. And then, as far as the property manager, to coordinate the cleaning and stuff, she charges 185 per cleaning. Mm-hmm. But her fee is included in that 185 so that's charged to the guest. Okay. So she, I think she takes like 40 of that, and then the cleaning crew gets a buck 45. Okay. Something like that. And how much do you charge uh, a, a night at, or day for your Airbnb? So Evolve uses something called smart fees. So it's just basically an analysis of, of how much demand there is and what the what the other rates for comparable housing is going that's for. Smart. It changes day yeah, by day. Yeah, so it's, you're and changing the day. But okay. Yeah. So you're not handling any of that. They do everything. Oh, wow. Okay. And, That's um, good. Smart. That is very smart. Yeah. Um, and then each month I do have to pay the hospitality tax to Florida, although there's a service that I pay $20 a month. And then I I do my, but again, Evolve, I click on financial reporting. I go to taxes. I go last month. It shows me exactly how much revenue I had, how much, how many taxes were collected. Um, and then um, you... You basically fill out a report with the other company, and then they just take it out of your account. Okay. But the reason I pay $20 a month is that if things go wrong and the Department of Revenue comes after me, now I got a finger to point. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's fairly cheap insurance. Take the liability off. Exactly. Like, hey, like, it was hey, those guys. Hey. You know, they said they did it. Um, <laughs> wasn't me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I'm just, you know, risk-averse. It's yeah. just easier that way. I'd yeah. rather spend the 20 bucks. I would have spent it on, you know, on freaking four coffees at Starbucks anyway. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, might as well cover um, your tracks. Exactly. So yeah, it's a really good. Um, it's a really good service. There's not a lot of headaches once in a while. Um, you know the. Do you plan on getting more? I, I planned on already having another one, except the rates went up and the prices went up so much yeah. in that neighborhood. My plan was was to last February I already have a second home, mm. but because prices went up so much so quickly, and then the rates followed. The payment I have now versus the payment I would have for a new house, there's a lot less margin. You think the rates yeah. are going to go down? I mean, sooner. I, I figure in 2024 when Trump is president again. Yeah, you think that he's going <laughs> to... I was just looking for usually either people freak out one way or another, right? I was looking for a reaction there. You just kept a straight face. Right? Yeah, player, I'm worried about myself. When people get into the, oh, I want, you know, Biden or Trump or whoever it is, like... They ain't coming to save me. <laughs> so. No, no, no. False gods, man. False <laughs> yeah, gods. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, you know, they'll, I mean, they'll back down sooner or later. Yeah, okay. they I mean, will go back. There's down. always the yeah. lag between prices, home prices, and the interest rates. So, like Chris was saying, sellers were still increasing their home prices while the rates simultaneously were increasing too. Yep. So that's where the drop off started to begin. Now sellers are starting to notice that and the market has shifted a bit. So the prices are starting to stale or go down. Yeah. So yeah, it's the, a buyer's market right now. It, it is. It, it is or a buyer's more market. of a buyer market than it has been for probably six or seven years. I would say that. Yeah. I mean, even when I bought in 2019, it was still a seller's market and it wasn't anything crazy like the last two years, but it was still multiples and everything like yep. this. So, yeah. So uh, this is the best time for a buyer to it, buy in the last like seven to eight years. It is like, though, but I, I I mean just this past weekend, you know, I, I went to two open houses and it was it was popping. It was a lot of people in there. So I'm starting to think now that buyers are like, I'll just take this on the chin, uh, you know, and, and buy it right now and then hopefully just refi later on. So we still might have the highest and best situations. Could be. I think you know. Not as much as we have before, but there is buyers that are out right now. There's a lot, you know? Yeah. yeah. What I tell my clients and buyers is you can change the interest rate once it goes down. That is something you are able to change, yeah. a.k.a. refinance. What you can't change is the sales price of the home you buy it for, the concession the seller gives up, and any of those other terms. So the one thing you can change if it is a little high we understand. Try to get the best deal on the other side. And then when those rates do come down again, just go and refinance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if I can say, like, at least for the loans that we offer, um, there's no there's no surprises. There, It's generally going to be a 30-year fixed rate unless you're asking for something different. You know, the 30-year fixed rate, there's not going to be any sort of prepayment penalty. You can pay it off as quickly as you want. You pay additional you know, pay additional monthly, and that reduces the overall interest you've paid. So that sort of, you know, takes the edge off the higher interest rate. Yep. Um, you can refinance on a conventional loan. You can refinance the day after you close. You know, if for some miracle the rates drop three percent or whatever the next day. Oh, I didn't know that. You yeah. can you can refinance right away. Yeah. I thought there was some type of six month wait period. With FHA, it's six months. Gotcha. Um, wait, conventional, you can refinance that fast. You can flip it out whenever you want. Hey. Um, okay. And I didn't know that. Um, and then the so so really the the balance the balance on what you owe, you know what you're paying for the house is important. Mm-hmm. The interest rate, as long as you can make the payment now, obviously, <laughs> um, you know that that can change later. Yes. And so you can reduce your payment later. You know, if you're comfortable getting in a house now, you, you're going to get in for a lower price than when rates go down. Because when rates go down, then the payment goes down. For the same price house, you've got less payment. Now people can offer more for that house and still have a, a comfortable monthly payment. And because most people are looking at monthly payment and not actual sale price, when rates go down, prices go up yep. and vice versa. Yep. yep, that's true. So in a high rate market, technically, you're getting a better price. If that makes sense. No, it does. It does. 
I don't think people look at it that way, obviously. No. You have to really break it down you for You got to break it down. Right. The average buyer is not going to look at it like that. They're going to listen to, you know, parents or people that bought in 2020. Oh, my God, I would never buy that. That's way too expensive. But um, you could still refi. Right. You and, know, and you're not paying. You're not emptying the bank account to try to get into a house. Exactly. You know, I think that's the biggest what, thing. So, so what do you, what do you foresee up. for 2023? I know you said 2024, but what do you oh, foresee for this year? No, of course. Um, <laughs> and do you think we'll ever see 3% again? I always joke with uh, Julian. I'm like, we need COVID round two. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's a we, joke, obviously. We need another. Yeah, it's a joke, ladies <laughs> and gents. It's a joke. We need another. Don't, don't uh, cancel us, please. <laughs> We need something else to scare scare the general population. Um, yeah. I'm going to show you. I'm going to be all nerdy and show you a chart here. Um, so this is, and I'm going to hold it up to um, the camera. And hopefully, can, Yeah, the camera can pick it up. We can also show a little chart too. This is the, the middle camera. Yeah, the middle camera there. This is the interest rate from 1971 until today. Okay, um, and so if you see that spike, that was in 1981. Interest rates were at 18 18 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were going up. You know, I always say, well, Jimmy Carter doesn't think interest rates are high because he was the president from 1977 till 81. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets that joke because nobody's old enough. Yeah. Uh, I, I just laugh because he brought up Jimmy Carter. Jimmy like, Carter. Who's that guy? That, he's the Habitat for Humanity. Habitat for Humanity. Yeah. Um, Wasn't yeah. he a peanut farmer? Yeah, he was a peanut farmer. Yeah, he was yeah, a peanut yeah, farmer. In Georgia. Yeah. 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 For you young people out there, Jimmy Carter was a president before Ronald Reagan. You know. Yeah, he was a... I, I don't... Obviously, I wasn't alive or anything, but he... A lot of people say he was a little too nice for the job. He was. He was just like, yeah, nice guys finish last. He's right? a That's peanut why. farmer. Come so, on. Um, yeah. But the historical average, basically, for that chart is about seven and a half. Mm-hmm. So right now, where we're in the sixes right now, we're actually below the historical average. Yep. It's just that because the economy crashed in two thousand eight, and then rates were artificially low to stimulate the economy for so long. And then we just started to sort of get our feet on the ground and then COVID came. Mm-hmm. So the rates have been in the threes and fours for 10 years and everybody's spoiled, you know. And, but like in, in uh, the early 2000s when I was working, the rates were about seven. They dropped to five and a half and everybody was super happy, Right. But when rates were coming up from three to five and a half, and I said five and a half, everybody was pulling their hair out. Perspective. Yeah, exactly. It's a, exactly. It's the, yep. So, um, you know, we're at the mercy of the world market right now. It's international. It's not, it's not just what the U.S. jobs report is anymore, how the stock market is doing. It's, it's what Putin's doing in Russia and what Erdogan is doing in Turkey and what what, uh, you know, the dude in North Korea is doing. So are you saying the feds are reacting off of that or are the feds still reacting off of unemployment and inflation? Which well, the feds are reacting off of the inflation and the inflation numbers, more inflation numbers just came out this week and they were good. They're, yeah, they're... Yeah, they're, so they're calming. So the inflation is calming. So that's a good sign for what, what's coming for interest rates. Well, I think it's the alarmist, right? It's when the inflation is calming, then there's always some other thing. Now it's the unemployment. They're like, oh, unemployment, this, that. Well, here's the thing. Um, Which is crazy because I feel like there's so many jobs. Now the question here is who to work those jobs. I think the working landscape has changed, the, the employment landscape. Whereas in before, a lot of people would join the workforce, younger people, they would get those, you know, McDonald's or this or whatever, starter jobs, let's call yeah. them, right? Starter jobs where you're a teenager, you don't have any experience. But now a lot of those are like, well, I can make money online. Yeah, I'm yeah. just going to be TikTok famous. Yeah, TikTok yeah. famous or NFTs or yep. whatever the and case may that. be. Yeah, YouTubers are, which is... More power to them, you know? Yeah, go try to make money online. It doesn't work for everyone. But if you really do, there's a lot of money to be made. And it gives you um, freedom in regards to your location. <laughs> no, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of, yeah, for sure, a lot of money to be made online. A lot of great businesses. You can do it from anywhere. You know, drop shipping, of course. 
there's yeah. other there's other things too. Amazon too, like yeah, those e- those those e-commerce, e-commerce. Uh, uh, businesses that people. I don't know if it's a big thing now, but I know three three years ago people were getting into that. So so yeah, it just allows you to kind of live wherever too. Mm-hmm. So you can do your online anywhere. So I think a lot of people are shifting towards those things, which the job numbers aren't really equating for. Yeah. The. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, kids just don't want to work at Starbucks or McDonald's anymore. I don't blame them. Um, it's like, why? Why would you want to work over yeah. there, making minimum wage? You know, not being treated very well, where you can do something you do like make a vlog or this yeah. or that. Yeah. No boss. Yeah, yeah, but that's not everybody too. So it's it's. I think we're. Sh- talking about a small percentage here we mentioned earlier in the podcast that he is bilingual he does speak spanish fluently we want to ask him how did you learn obviously maybe the best way was to immerse yourself in that country in mexico and really get the lingo down the cadence and everything like that would you say that's the best way to learn and is that where you learn or did you learn spanish before you went to mexico so so I was speaking it before I went. Um, I had taken it all through school, and then I had volunteered up here. As we, oh yeah, I've taken it before. through school too. And um, Mr. Jensen can tell you that he told me I can't go to Puerto Rico because he was afraid I'd get kidnapped. So <laughs> that was his excuse to me. Um, but uh, yeah, when I started volunteering teaching English as a second language, is when. Like, then I had to start to practice it and whatever because it was first-level students. So then I had to, you know, form all the words I knew in the sentences and, and start actually speaking and practicing. Um, and then, like I said, I, I was doing mortgage loans in Spanish for about four years before I went down there. Yeah, and um, you have to be real. You have to really know technical words. And yeah. the vocabulary is very different than kind of me and you chatting on the street Spanish, right? Yeah, it's conversational. Spanish Same as English, right? Me, Spanish, you, right? me and you talking in English is regular, but me and you talking about lending or financing or home mortgages or anything like that, then it gets very technical. Right, right. If, if I start talking about my job to anybody else, either they're not going to understand or if they do understand, they're just going to get bored. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's oh. why we want to make weekly deposit a holistic thing where we talk about the whole person rather than just like, oh, I'm a real estate agent or I'm a lender or I'm this. So it's like, well, yeah, we understand that. You are for sure that that's a big part of your career, but there's other things too. Why don't you hit the audience just for those doubters out there, your Spanish speaking skills, maybe a couple of uh, couple of lines you can hit them with. Here, I'll, I'll give myself a free, uh, a free plug. A free plug. All right. Hola, mis compañeros. Me llamo Chris, hablo 100% en español. Si necesita cualquier ayuda con su préstamo o tiene preguntas financieras sobre cualquier asunto, me puede llamar a este número o, o contactarme por este email. Aquí voy a poner en frente de la pantalla. Abracadabra. And it's there. Yes, sir. Es todo. Yo contesto mi teléfono todo. en la noche y fines de semana. Estoy disponible siempre. All right, I I'm I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say that was very good, very very good. Okay, so uh, break break down kind of what you said there. Just basically, my name's Chris. Oh yeah, I'm in the finance industry. Yeah. Contact me. Yeah, if you've got any questions about loans or or, or financing questions, uh, financing matters of any yeah. kind, just feel free to give me a call at this number or or give me an email at this at this email address, and then I showed the card and then i said i'll answer my phones evenings and weekends as well i'm always available wow now my turn hola uh mucho uh bien (laughs) 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 grandes uh, soy uh, emron you need rosetta stone my guy (laughs) as as mr jensen told me i need a lot more than rosetta stone i already speak three languages so i can't fit any more in the head Okay, Chris, I think the biggest thing I've noticed with clients when I ask them to fill out an application for a home mortgage, it seems like such a daunting task for them, right? 
what is the simplest way where you can just say, you know, my app is one page long. It takes two minutes. These are the XYZ documents I need, and I can at least get you an answer. I want to make it as simple as possible. The simplest way possible is because basically I'll say, go, go to my online app, fill out the application, and then upload these income docs or, you know, the documents necessary. How long does the application take on average? Uh, it's mean, pretty it, basic it, information, it, right? It depends on your computer. Yeah, your name, your, ad, your current address, your places of employment, yep. you know, in the last few years, um, <laughs> how much you make. Yep. Um, really, beyond that, it's, it's answering some, there's some declarations, you know, have, have you gone bankrupt in the last seven years? Yep. Um, are you in the middle of a divorce? Um, da, 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 things it's like that. It's super too. quick. I yeah. just think people get super daunted when it's, Hey, fill this application out. Because when you heard the word application, you're like, oh, my God. Right. It's like I have to go through pages yeah. and this and that. I mean, I've got a lot of people who just don't have any computer skills at all. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no computer labs when you go to school in another country. So they type you know? like this? No, they don't type at all. They, just don't, they can't. Oh, no, okay. No, they got they got. Nothing. Hey, I type like um, that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so basically I just request the documents. Okay. You know, I need I need a copy of your driver's license. I need I need your W twos, your your most recent check stubs, your bank statement. Yep. And then basically, I mean, they've got to go to the bank and ask for a copy of their bank statement unless one's came in the mail. They can't go online and pull it off the internet yeah. or anything. Um, but with the in with the income and asset information that I need, those documents, I just type up the application. Yeah, I just do it. Yeah, you know, and it takes me yeah less than three minutes. You can yep. zip right through. Yeah, it. so yeah. if you know if you're really computer averse or you're just incredibly lazy, you know, <laughs> just send me all the docs I need and I'll do it for you. There That's, you go. Um, you know. Or send it to me and I'll send it to Chris. Right. As like simple that. as that. We wanted yeah. to make it simple as it simple done. as possible. Yeah. Okay. Transitioning to our next question, what are some big red flags in the home buying process that you should look out for? And what are some things that you should absolutely, absolutely not do when buying a home? So in, in what context do you mean red flags for? Um, I guess the red flags one is a little bit more not on the financing side. But is there certain things that you guys do look on the financing side where it's like, hmm, there's some red flags Like this here. is a jumpy application here. Like, Oh, as far as, I mean, well, as far as, we, yeah, you got like, um, you know, the hours and the rate of pay and the total pay don't add up and the check stubs, that's things like, like fraud. But, but that's, that's not really pertaining to what the what the client, what the consumer wants to, what a red flag for is in buying a house. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in my opinion, the red flags are, is there mold? Okay, go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, like in the house. Yeah, yeah the actual house. Yeah, because sure. really the financing, um, what you want to look out for is basically people won't give you a straight answer. You know, you got a loan officer who won't explain it to you or uses big words just so you won't understand. That's not good. You know, you need to, under, you're, you're asking for, for a loan that you're going to be paying for basically the rest of your life, 30 years. So, um, you know, when, when you're, when you're not getting a straight answer, when you're not getting documents so you can see like what costs are included and how the transaction actually is, then yeah, that, that's a red flag. It, and I would assume it's the same with realtors. Correct. As well, if, yeah. You know, there's a lot of red flags. Yeah. You can say, yeah. how about the second part of that question? What are some absolutely some Things you should absolutely not do. Uh, oh. For example, like the one we were talking about before the podcast. Oh, okay. So when you're qualified for a loan, you're qualified with like a snapshot of your financial situation at the time you're approved. Now you're going to go out and look at homes and things like that. That's going to take a week, two weeks, three weeks, however long it takes. Yep. Um, you don't want to run your credit. For any reason, you don't want to buy anything new. You buy a car in the process, and now you got an additional six hundred dollar payment, and you don't qualify anymore. And we're not going to know if you don't tell us. <laughs> and all of a sudden, what? Yeah. So the, every lender will always do um, do a quality control 
and do some verifications like the day of or the day before the closing, before they send their wire out. And it's going to be, are they still working at the same job? So you don't quit your job in the middle of, of the transaction. Number one, um, don't quit your job when you get pre-approved. Or if you do switch your job, please please update. Uh, please update your realtor or your, your lender. Yeah, talk to us ahead of time. Really yes. your lender, because yeah. that, that can mess up your qualifications and if on, they got a grant yes. or something like that. You should yeah. talk to your lender, but some people just feel more comfortable with their realtor. Whatever yeah. the case, just <clears throat> tell someone. Don't not tell anyone. You, you can't go from a W-2 to a 1099. Because now you're self-employed and you need two years of work. History. Correct. So, um, yeah, you can't just switch a job in the middle either, really. So, yep. No. Number one, don't switch jobs. Don't run credit. Don't run credit. Don't buy stuff. Don't buy stuff. <laughs> Example, like furniture or this. Save the furniture after you buy the house or the car or whatever. Save all that for after you purchase the house, after closing on the house. Yeah, exactly. Any um, other things that... They should not do? I mean, you don't even want to ask for... Sometimes people think they can do things where, like, they'll ask for an increase in their credit limit for one of the credit cards. But that means another credit inquiry. Yeah. And that's not going to disqualify you. But what's going to happen is the lender is going to run a QC credit report on you. It's not a hard hit. It's not a hard inquiry. So it's not going to affect your score. And it doesn't actually look at your score. What they're looking for are any new accounts or any new inquiries that might signal a new account's been created. So if you've got a new account, now it's a whole new process. Now it's, okay, how much do you pay a month on that? Okay, do you still qualify? There's inquiries. It's, you know, did you get credit? Okay, you didn't get credit. Explain the inquiry. It's, you're going to lose a couple days in the process because you've got to send a letter of explanation one way or another. And so you're going to delay your closing. Um, so basically, you just want to keep doing the same thing you're doing from the day you get approved until you actually sign yeah. your documents. Basically, document just live under a rock from the time yep. that, you know, you write, get approved or that purchase agreement until closing time. Yeah. Don't do anything. Don't, because I've had clients that went to Vegas while they were buying a house or went on a trip, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, no, please, please, was, please don't do that. There was a lady. Because you're going to use that credit card. <laughs> There was a lady that, this was like seven years ago, she said, uh, all of a sudden, like, the, the QC credit report came yeah. up, and there was all this uh -huh. stuff, and I called her to make sure, like, you know, is this, uh, you know, maybe stolen identity, or and she's like, and I'm like, there's three new credit cards, there's a vehicle, and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, those are mine, and she's like, oh, well, I also got married in Vegas. <laughs> And she had it quite the weekend. Yeah, what? <laughs> and I'm like, and she's like, yeah, I probably don't qualify anymore, do I? And I'm like, wow. Like, yeah, wow. she was partying too hard in yeah. Vegas. That's yeah. what happened. Okay, um, Chris, we want to talk about this because um, when I was researching you for this podcast and everything, when I went on your Facebook, there is a catalog of food. So it tells me you are a foodie. You love you love some good food. I saw a lot of great food on there. What's some spots you like to visit here? Maybe in Florida, maybe in Mexico, some spots you like to plug. What type of food is it seems like you'd like a lot of, you know, Mexican food. Yeah, just because my wife is originally from Mexico and, and whatever. Yep. I mean, um, there's, a, there's a restaurant at 494 in Portland called Cuatro Milpas. Mm -hmm. And I'll give him so he can type it up or something. Yep show it um it's a mexican place it's awesome one day i walked in and i heard mariachi in the kitchen i was like oh the owner like maybe it's one of the cook's birthdays or whatever yeah. i go no it's the cooks playing mariachi in there yep so that's a legit oh, it's authentic right? yeah that's authentic <laughs> that's legit um and um i like um there's a place on nicolet between like 25th and 26th i want to say mm -hmm. um it's a Vietnamese place called Jasmine Deli. Oh. And there's there's a Jasmine Deli on the corner that's a big one. It's a new one. And then there's a little hole in the wall, like right around the corner. It's on Nicollet. It's not on the corner. Mm -hmm. It's on Nicollet on the, in the middle of the block. And there's like maybe five tables in there. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, I, I think I posted on Facebook one time, like I think they've got a farm and, and animals right in the back. This stuff is so fresh. Yeah. <laughs> it's just awesome. 
Um, I'm gonna have to try that. Is yeah. it Jasmine's Deli? Jasmine Deli. Okay, yeah. Jasmine, Jasmine Deli. Okay, I'll yeah, check it out. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, you know, we used to go to Safari all the time, but it's closed now. Mm. Um, that was a great. Um, it was owned by some Somali guys. Uh, it was an African restaurant. Um, Somali food is super good. I love sambusas. Sambusas. I mean, the rice, the oh. the goat meat. I mean, yep. they have a lot of great great food. So I used um, to eat at Sahara, Sahara Desert. In Minneapolis. What are some great uh, dishes you like? I mean, if you, let's say you had to pick, you know, two to three dishes that you had to always eat, what would you, what would you pick? Oh, I love Mexican food. And then we eat a lot of, we go to this Indian restaurant called Tamarind. It's in Edina. Okay. Um, I think, let's see, it's the same owners that own, I think, India Palace and a couple other places. Mm -hmm. Um, There's, they own a place downtown. I can't remember now. Um, But that's really good. Um, you know, it's a whole different spice palette. Yeah, than Mexican it food. It's totally. It's like yeah. a lot of curry. Yeah, and then it's and it's, a lot of curry. but there's spices in both. That's what it, right. You know? It's absolutely flavorful, but it's yeah. totally. It's yeah, a whole it's a different, different thing. A different man. ball a, game. Yeah, a little, it is a yeah. little spicier. You know, I, Mexico is a little bit more flavor spicy, whereas in India sometimes it can get spicy, spicy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they ask you, you know, mild, medium, or spicy. Yeah. So I just get medium. Thai me- food's like that, too, though. Oh. They get, they, uh, I mean, I love Thai food. Joy's Pattaya. It's it's a 76. Now, because I live in Bloomington, I'm saying stuff that's on the south side, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, it's at 76 in Lindale. Uh, I told my friend about it who was working at 74th in Lindale at the time. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, that place that looks like a shithole? <laughs> And I'm like, it's a family-owned. Yeah, it looks like just. I will tell you the places, the hole in the walls, the the shithole places have the best food. That's the best. We were in Turks and Caicos, and this lady literally like a hut. We went over there, and they she gave us like oxtails and some other Caribbean food. Yeah. Oh my god, it was so good. It was better than some of the quote-unquote five-star restaurants we went to. So, Um, yeah, yeah, it's and then you want to try the the Thai iced tea. Yeah, the ties. Have you had that? Yeah, yeah. So I, I go to Coconut Thai a lot, and they have that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, they, I think most grain. of the Thai places have it. Yep. Yeah, but it's, it's and, good. Um, if you if you go to any sort of Somali place, you want the Somali tea. The Somali tea is hot. Oh. And you want the Somali tea with milk. With milk. Oh yes, yes, chai tea. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Chai tea. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they, in Arabic they say chai or whatever. Yep, you know, yep. it's that 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 K H yeah, letter the, that I can't. Ha, yeah. How do you, how do you say it? Ha. It's a ha. It's a ha. It's a KH at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Say the I'm letter not. K and the same letter yeah. H at the same time. Hawk. Yeah, it's, it's K and H at the same <laughs> time. Yeah. I ain't going to get it. Yeah, <laughs> All right, you guys. I want to um, just kind of bring up two more up. topics and we'll kind of wrap it up here. The one topic, obviously, we've been talking about Mexico. We live in the U.S., everything, the next World Cup. I know we brought this up in the last podcast, the next World Cup is in Mexico, here in Canada. A couple of places that you mentioned, Guadalajara is hosting uh, a few of the games. Monterrey is hosting a few of the games. Mexico City is hosting a few of the games. Uh, There's obviously Miami and other places. Will you be attending? Will you be going back back to see some friends in Guadalajara? I got to figure out who I know. You know, it's it, in Mexico. It's who you know. Yeah, who yeah. you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think no. in the world, it's who you know. Yeah. No, I got some. I got some important friends in in Guadalajara, so I think I'll be able to. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Nice. So we know who we need to talk to. Who we need yeah, to know. Yeah, Chris. <laughs> we need to know Chris. When you fly down there, just add on two more tickets. You yes. Know? Uh, we'll uh, Venmo you. you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, want, I want. I yes. The Monterey Stadium is like uh, a bucket list. I really want to go. I know. We'll have it on the last podcast. We'll have we'll show a picture of it. Yeah. Okay. So, do you have anyone you think this is crazy. is going to go to the Super Bowl, or do you not care? I, you know, I, I'll watch. I don't. I don't get all into it. You know, you watch yeah. for the commercials. Uh-huh. <laughs> so oh, you watch, watch for the commercials. I just watch the commercials. I don't <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nah. Um. I mean. You know, it's we do. We did really well this year. Yeah. yeah, there was so many games that were like less than a touchdown score, yep, yep. or whatever. The most one score uh, season anyone's. I think we 12, 12 this year, eleven yep. or twelve. Most in NFL history. Hopefully, okay. yeah, we carry By that on to games. the playoffs. I mean, you know, if the streak of luck goes, then you know, maybe we'll. Uh, Who knows? Maybe yeah. this will either age. 
terribly or age very well. So we'll see how this goes. I just I remember in the seventies just hating Terry Bradshaw. Oh God, Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> he you needs know. to just let it go. The, the Terry Bradshaw? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, like his hair. Like he just oh, I thought oh, he, he did. No. Oh, he needs to shave it off? Yeah, no, he didn't. He's, he's holding on. He's still holding on. He needs to let it he's go. He's still Terry Bradshaw. He's, yeah. he's, he got hit too many times. <laughs> that guy's awesome. He's yeah. I always remember when I watched Fox for the games, it would always be him. Um, Shannon Sharp used to be on there too before he did Undisputed. Yeah, it would be the other guy. Stray hands on there now. Wow, Huey. What's I think it's like Huey the Long or something like that, or I don't Howie. know. Howie, Howie Long. Yeah, Howie Long. Yep, Howie Long. He's still on there too. Yep. Okay, Chris. It was. I mean, wonderful podcast. We enjoyed you having you here so much. A wealth of knowledge. Yeah, thank you. You, guys, you know, man. you've had you, so man. much experience. Not only on the lending and finance side, but just worldly experience, you know, going out there, knowing how to buy a home in Mexico or the Airbnb or a lot of other things. I think what we'd want to do here is have you in Spanish say goodbye to everyone. Tell them this was episode six of Weekly Deposit with Chris Larson. Um, And then we'll be back again. I think the best way to end this podcast is on the Spanish note. I agree. Okay, gracias mis amigos. Este era número seis de uh, how Num- many? Six. Yeah, this but um, of how many years? Or the first year? This is the, our podcast? Yeah. First. Oh, yeah, this is our first year, episode six, so we're still super new. Okay. Hopefully, we'll have you back on episode 600. Okay. <laughs> número seis del primero año. Así que esperamos que vamos a tener más años y estoy aquí para, para el número 100. Y gracias amigos que tengan buen día y llame cualquier de nosotros y si necesita cualquier ayuda con, con sus, sus asuntos de bienes raíces. Gracias everyone. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. This is episode six. We will be back with episode seven. A big, big, big thank you to our special guest, Chris Larson. Thank you for coming. Thank you guys. See ya. Thank you.